uh, we started a series last week talking about relationships, and today we're going to talk about marriage. How many married people do we have in the house? How many people do we have in the house that aren't married that want to be married? Okay, would you all stand and look around? We might do some matchmaking here today. No, honestly, we don't get involved in that. Uh, you can do that all online. You don't need our help with that today. Um, we're going to talk about marriage today. We, we started this series last week. We talked about the family of God. And today we want to open our hearts, and I've asked Anne to help me today because she knows a lot about marriage because that's why we have a happy marriage is because she, you know, she, she keeps me in line and uh, keeps, keeps a happy marriage. Just kidding partly and just telling the truth partly there. Uh, but you know, the, the most important nat natural relationship, earthly relationship we have is marriage. It's the most intimate relationship there is in earth, natural life marriage God intended it to be that way and scripture tells us that marriage is two people a man and a woman who become one flesh now I want you to do something with me and hold my mic for me please see she's an obedient wife she's submissive there that's why we have such a good you're, you're funny everybody take your hands just like this hold your hands up like this husband wife okay two people now do this, become one flesh. That's what marriage is. Two people become one flesh. Now you, you can put your hands down. I just want to give you that illustration today because marriage really has always been and, and is intended by God to be the foundation that creates family and family creates society. So what we want to do today is we want to open our hearts for a few minutes and we want to talk about three specific challenges that we hear a lot today now in in doing this I'm, I'm doing two things number one i'm telling you we're going to talk about three things so we're not going to talk about nine things so some some of you think oh that's too much for me i'm out the door if you're not married i promise you there'll be some things shared today that will help you if you want to be married someday there are some things you're going to hear that will help you but stay with us today because we're going to talk about three things that are very common issues in marriage today and as we dive into this, there is one disclaimer I need to add. Some of you are going to be sitting here today, and you're going to hear something, and you're going to think, wow, we're dealing with that. We're not talking about anybody here in the building today. We're talking about everybody in the building, okay? You know, sometimes in church, you share, you share a story, and somebody says, well, are you talking about me? No, we do not break confidences. We don't share things in services that we hear from people in the church, but we're going to share some very general common things that we hear today that are real challenges to marriage. So the first challenge that we want to talk about is communication. And, you know, communication can really bring connection in our marriages or disconnection in our marriages. Communication is so important. But today as we talk about communication, we know that we could talk about so many different aspects, but we really want to zoom in on two issues that impact our communication today, really that generations in the past did not have to deal with. Issues that are unique to today that impact our communication. And I think it's, it's important to understand, you know, any, anytime you hear pastors teaching on marriage, they always talk about communication. You know, every year, pretty much, Ann and I do a, a Sunday like this, 
And communication is almost always involved in it. But here's, here's the point. It is communication that brings understanding. It's communication that allows this one fleshness to come about. If we don't have understanding of each other and good communication, we don't have a strong marriage and strong relationship. So let me talk about the first part of this today for just a couple of minutes. I think it's important for all of us sitting here today, no matter where you come from, what your background is, left, right, center, wherever you are, it's important for us to understand in our society today, gender and gender roles is under attack, very much so. There's a lot of confusion in society today about gender. And I, I think this is important because, you know, for years, I, I, I think my first recollection of it came about really with haircuts. How many remember the day when you got haircuts? Anymore, just get the old razor and buzz it down and forget about it, you know? But how many remember when we first started hearing about unisex haircuts? Six? Is that all? I'm not that old, I know. Yeah. For, for many years now, so many things are unisex, unisex, unisex. Not long ago, I was watching the news, and they had a quick news clip about a cutting-edge fashion designer in Europe. And they interviewed this fashion designer, and here are his very words. He said, this whole idea of men looking one way and women looking another way is ridiculous. We're all the same thing. We don't need to dress differently. Now, I know that's a societal thing to some extent, but here's the point. If you listen to communications in society today, if you listen to the media, gender is under attack. And, you know, here's my point, bottom line, and this is not, this is not a statement to be controversial, but everybody as a believer needs to understand. People may be confused about gender issues, but God is not. The Bible says God made them male and female. There aren't nine genders, there are two genders. And we may have some confusion, we may be trying to find our way. God's not confused about that. So here's the bottom line when it comes to marriage. Husband and wife in a marriage relationship, we need to understand if we're going to have good communication, men and women are wired differently. Physiologically, we're wired differently. And as a rule, there are exceptions to the rule, but as a rule, men tend to communicate one way, women tend to communicate a different way. It's interesting, I was reading this week in 1 Peter 3, verse 7, Peter gave husbands responsibility to understand your wife. Now, husbands, let that sink in just a moment. How many husbands are already bewildered this morning, like, oh, my God, I'll never <laughs> You see, the truth is, women's brains are more connected, the two sides of the brains are more connected than men's. They really are. Physiologically, they're different. And as a result, there are a lot of things that come into play there. One of the things is women tend to tell you in conversation what they feel. And men tend to tell you what they think. So when husbands and wives are having a discussion that's important, after a while the man gets weary and says, look, here's how it is. You need to realize it's this, 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 this. Because that's how he thinks. And the woman says, yeah, but I feel. And the guy's like, I don't care what you feel. This isn't about feelings. It's about smartness. It's about wisdom. It's about understanding. How many? Oh. Brother, if I were you, I'd just slip on out to the car and wait for my wife. You've said enough already this morning. See, but the point is we communicate differently. Therefore, we have to work to understand each other. 
And God put the responsibility on husbands to work to understand your wife. So we need to work at communicating so there can be understanding in our marriages. Another issue that really impacts our communication today is technology. Technology has changed the way we communicate. And I want to share with you just a little excerpt from an article I recently read that talked about why marriage is more difficult in today's world. Listen to this. It says, you'd think that with modern day technology allowing you to shoot over a text or email any time of day, communicating with your partner would be easier but it's actually causing complications. Many couples are seeking professional assistance on basic communication skills. Electronic communications are often at the root of misunderstandings. When texts, emails, and even telephones are used as a replacement for in-person discussions, communication often suffers. It is easy for couples to misunderstand each other when there is, a, when there is not a ready in-person opportunity to add clarity and address any misunderstandings. As well, such contact is devoid of the vital messages contained in body language, eye contact, and facial expressions. Technology can actually break down healthy communication. And it happens in so many different ways. First of all, it can happen by cutting out our quality time with each other. I mean, we've all been in a room with a group of people and looked around the room and realized, huh, everybody in this room is on their phone right now. You've been there, right? We've, I think we've all seen that scenario. And it might seem harmless. Oh, you know, we're sending attacks, we're scrolling social media, but we're cutting out the face-to-face -face interaction. But it doesn't just happen when there's a group of people in a room. It happens when there's even just a husband and a wife alone together in a room. So often that same scenario is happening, whether it's at the dinner table or sitting on the couch after dinner. It happens even just between husbands and wives. But that same article also says, people feel that if given a choice of spending time with each other or their smartphone, their spouse will choose their smartphone. So that means that technology is not only disconnecting us, but it's bringing resentment into our marriages if many people feel that their smartphone is more of a priority to their spouse than they are. And so we've got to realize the effects of technology on our communication, but it also affects our communication because we try to use technology as a tool to resolve conflict, but it is a very ineffective tool in resolving conflict. Can I just say, don't have important conversations via text. Or email. Or email, yes. Because it's only words. You only see the written words. You can't hear each other's heart. And healthy communication is heart-to-heart -heart communication. And heart-to-heart -heart communication requires looking in someone's eyes, seeing their facial expressions, hearing their tone of voice. And texts or emails leave far too much room for inaccurate assumptions. So let's have our important communication face-to-face. -face. 
And then technology can also bring unhealthy communication because it can cause us to compare our marriage and our spouse with someone else's. I mean, we've all seen the scenario where you're scrolling through social media and you see that post of someone else and the most amazing date night ever. Just had the greatest date night with the most amazing spouse on the planet. They're so incredible. They treat me so wonderfully. They're so hot. They're so amazing. They're this and that. And it goes on and on, right? Yeah, they've and got a Photoshopped picture that they're putting on there, <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> and you usually see it at the time that you are just having a fight with your spouse. <laughs> Or you are, look around the house, and the house is a disaster. The kids are running amok, and your spouse is glued to the television, sitting on the couch. Or your spouse is curled up in a chair, absorbed in a book. And you look at that post, and you compare to what's going on in your house. And all of a sudden, feelings of frustration and anger and resentment start to rise up. And all of a sudden, you are communicating in a way that is anything but uplifting and encouraging and healthy communication. You don't have to admit to it, but I know you know what I'm talking about. You find yourself fighting all because you compared someone's post of their highlight to your everyday reality. Can I just tell you that their everyday reality is surely much more similar to yours. They're just posting that one-time great highlight, okay? We've got to realize that we cannot compare it is so dangerous. In 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us that comparing is unwise. God doesn't want us to compare. So we've got to be so careful not to be comparing our marriages and our spouse with someone else's. Technology can be a great blessing, but it can also affect our relationships adversely if we are not careful. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's really important for us to stop and realize today what a blessing technology is. It's an amazing blessing. But the truth of the matter is, as a pastor, if I want, I can go home and I can, until I go to bed at night, I can sit there and I can follow this and follow that and that and that and that and never, ever have a serious conversation with my wife. You've got to be able to shut it down. You've got to be able to recognize where it's creating problems in your communication in your marriage. So uh, husbands, wives, be sensitive to that, okay? Uh, a second area we want to talk about is we want to talk about transparency in marriage. This is a real issue today. And my guess is it's always been an issue, but it's complicated today as we've already been talking about technology. It's really been complicated by technology and how much stuff we have access to. So let me talk about transparency just for a couple minutes. Transparency in a marriage creates accountability. Transparency creates accountability. Now, if, if we're going to be in a one flesh relationship, go back to this again. If we're going to be in a one flesh relationship where the two of us are one, 
there has to be transparency. Now, transparency really is clarity. It's nothing cluttering the waters. But transparency is honesty and openness. And transparency will naturally create an accountability. And I want to say this today in the strongest way I can say it. A healthy marriage has healthy accountability. We're accountable to each other because we are indeed one flesh. And, you know, accountability really ensures honesty. It ensures that we build trust in a relationship. And if we don't have transparency, we're going to have broken trust, and broken trust is no trust. I mean, think about what transparency is. When something is transparent, you can see through it. If you have a clean, clear window, you can see right through it. It's transparent. But if you were to tape newspaper up over that window, you lose the transparency. You can no longer see through it. What's on the other side is hidden. And you're wondering, what's going on on the other side of that window? It's hidden. You can't see what is there. And in marriage, we need to be transparent. A godly marriage is transparent where nothing is hidden, where there's no deception. In Colossians 3.9, it says, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. As believers, we've put off the old man. We're new creations. But it tells us that we need to put off the character of that old man. And that word lie in this verse, it literally means to deceive, which means to withhold truth, to keep things hidden, and to be unfaithful. You know, we talked about technology affecting our communication, but technology creates opportunities, countless opportunities for temptation and for secrecy. And we've got to be aware of that. I mean, just this last week, I woke up one morning and I had my phone on the nightstand charging. I unplugged it. I looked at it as I got up and there was a new text message. So I go to read the text message, and it's from a number I don't know, and it says that they're looking for sex partners. I was like, what? I'm, I'm half awake, I'm trying to figure out what in the world am I looking at? I took my phone out and, and showed my husband, and I, I was so angry. I thought, you know, it's bad enough to get advertisements and sales solicitations via text now, but this was crazy. And so I deleted it immediately. But you know, after getting that, it really, it saddened my heart because I thought, you know, this is our world today where marriages are being bombarded. People are being bombarded with temptations like this everywhere you look with opportunities for secrecy. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what am I doing with those opportunities? Who are you following on social media? Are you following people that are, are providing opportunities for temptation through the things that they post? Are you um, hiding private messages on social media? Are you private messaging people that your spouse doesn't know about? I got to tell you, we hear all the time about affairs 
and inappropriate relationships that start because of social media, start through social media. The opportunities for secrecy and deception are so great today. And that means that the opportunities for infidelity are so great. Infidelity is so prevalent today. But you know, it's not just because of social media. You know, it happens just as much through personal interactions as well. So often there are personal interactions that are hidden. It may be that conversation with someone at work. It may be time secretly spent with someone of the opposite sex. And often we hear people say, oh, well, it was no big deal. No big deal. We just have lunch together on occasion. We're just friends. Well, then why aren't you telling your spouse, oh, well, they wouldn't understand. No, if it's hidden, it's inappropriate. There's a lack of transparency, and it is not healthy for the marriage. Some people say, well, I just have that flirtatious personality. That's just me. I just kind of talk that way to everybody I see. I don't mean anything by it. It's harmless. It's not harmless because it's breaking down the trust of your spouse. And it's opening the door for somebody to respond to that flirtation and it opens the door for an opportunity for temptation. So in all of our dealings, our conversations, our situations of life, we all need to ask ourselves if we can have complete transparency with our spouse. Would we do the same things? Would we say the same things if our spouse was present? Would you send that secret message that if your spouse was being copied on that message? We need to ask ourselves those things because secrecy is betrayal. But transparency is godly and courageous. And as believers, you know, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction of sin, to convict us when we're getting off track. And when we get into situations and areas that we shouldn't be in, the Holy Spirit will let us know. His job is to convict us. Our job is to listen and obey. However, when we continually ignore that prompting of the Holy Spirit on the inside, we actually sear our conscience. That's what it tells us in 1 Timothy 4. In verse 2, it says that people lie and live in hypocrisy, having seared their own conscience as with a hot iron. Think about that. If you took a hot iron to your skin and you seared your skin, you're going to damage those nerve endings. You're going to have a burn that's going to leave a scar, and that scar becomes numb to the touch, right? But that's what we do. We become numb to those promptings of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to keep us on track with God and God's best for our lives. So when people say, oh, well, you know what I'm doing? I feel okay about it. I don't, I don't feel anything wrong with it. I don't hear the Holy Spirit telling me anything. If it's not according to God's will and God's word for us, then we are fooling ourselves and we may have seared our conscience. 
We may have ignored the Holy Spirit so often that we don't hear him anymore. But you know what the good news is for us as believers? Where that scar may remain numb forever, not so with us. We can come to God. And he says, if you confess your sins, he says that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And when we come to God and we repent and we turn and we start going in the right direction, we position ourselves to open our hearts and hear those promptings from the Holy Spirit again to keep us on track with him. We just need to come to him. The Holy Spirit is there to help us, to guide us in the right ways. You know, we talked about transparency and talking about accountability. A lot of people don't understand that accountability is safety. Accountability is safety. Uh, transparency is safety. It's not there to have somebody governing your life. It's there to have somebody helping you keep safeguards in place. And I want to say this to you. Uh, you know, uh, women are really sensitive to things that men sometimes aren't sensitive to. That's part of the differences. People call it a woman's intuition. They, they feel things in, in many cases that men don't feel. And guys, I want to say this to you. If your wife senses something and says, hey, you know what? I'm a little concerned about so-and-so and the way they're interacting with you. You need to listen to them. It's safety. It's safety. And it can work the opposite way, too. I heard two or three amens from wives. So let's turn it around. Uh, ladies, if your husband says, you know, I don't really care for such and such talking to you the way they do, you need to listen. Because it's safety for you. It's protection from the most important relationship you have in life, okay? So make sure you keep transparency and accountability in place. And then the third area we want to talk about is commitment. Just simple commitment. I think commitment is a problem in our society across the board today in a lot of areas. But it's really important, I think, and it's really something that's lacking in, in a lot of our society when it comes to marriage. A lot of people aren't wholeheartedly committed to their marriage. Now, I want to read some verses to you, and I want to talk about this commitment for just a moment. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. If you've got your Bible there, open up to Ephesians 5. If you've got uh, you know, some kind of uh, a phone or iPad, whatever you might have with you. Technology, is that the word you want me to use? <laughs> if you've got an electronic device there, go ahead and open up to Ephesians 5, because I want to read some verses. And we're going to comment on these in this final thought about commitment. Ephesians 5, we're going to begin at verse 22. Paul's talking about marriage here. Notice what he says in verse 22. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does 
the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. These are very familiar scriptures when people like us teach on marriage. Ephesians 5, Paul talked about marriage. And there's a lot here in these verses, and we only have a few minutes to to cover what we want to talk about. But we're focusing on our commitment to marriage. And here's what I find in marriage. When we talk to people who are having challenges, almost always, husbands are pointing at wives, pointing out their failure and responsibilities, and wives are pointing at husbands, pointing out their failures and their responsibilities. And I think sometimes we miss the point. These verses are not written for us to hang over each other. These verses are written for each of us to commit ourselves to these things so that our marriages become strong and equitable. And I want to just talk about this for just a little bit here. Husbands, we have roles and responsibilities in marriage. And I love the fact that Paul really broke it down to one thing, and that was husbands, love your wives. Now, I want to I give you a little test today. Every husband in the house, how many husbands love your wives? You better get your hands up fast. I mean, like, like right now, okay? This, I'm trying to help you score points today. How many husbands say, I'm crazy about my wife. I love my wife. Let me see your hands. All right, there we got it. All right, here's the deal. Paul didn't just say, husbands, love your wives. He said, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. And at the end of this passage, Paul is saying, you know, this may sound a little mysterious to you, but what I'm saying is, look at the way Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives to the extent that Christ loved the church and laid down his life for the church. And if you read in there, really what Paul is saying is, You need to create an atmosphere where your wife can become everything that God created her to be. The same way that Jesus creates an atmosphere for everyone in the church to be what God created them to be, husbands, you're supposed to create an atmosphere where your wife can flourish and become everything God created her to be. And in those verses, almost to to probably 75% of it, Paul aims it at the husband. Here are your responsibilities. Here's the things you need to do for your wife. And yet oftentimes, all I hear from husbands is, well, she's not following me. She's not being submissive to me. You know what? Ask yourself the question, am I loving my wife the way Christ loved the church? If we as husbands live out our responsibilities, and if we commit ourselves to our responsibilities, it makes it so much easier for a wife to commit to her responsibility. Because the crux here that always comes up in marriage in talking is the wife says, well, you know, I don't really care for the fact that the Bible says that the husband's the head of the wife and I'm supposed to submit to him. Let me explain what this means. The word submit means to give yourself over to an orderly arrangement. And it is the husband's responsibility 
to work with the wife to create an orderly arrangement. No two people are alike. That's why no two marriages are alike. They're not supposed to be just alike. Well, if we could just be like so-and-so and so-and-so, you'll never be like them because you're two different people. But husbands, it's our responsibilities to love our wives and work with them and help create a relationship where not only we can flourish, but they can flourish as well. And the two of us can become one flesh and add to the marriage everything that we both and we each have to add to that marriage. So husbands, we need to focus on our responsibilities and commit ourselves to those responsibilities as husbands. And wives... We are told to respect our husbands. They need our respect. And, you know, our respect can actually position them to be the husband that God created them to be, to be the husband that we desire them to be. However, our lack of respect can also deflate them and remove their desire to even try being that husband. And we've got to be aware of that. Our respect is so important. And too often I hear wives say, well, you don't know my husband. I don't have anything to respect about my husband. First of all, can I tell you, yes, you absolutely do because he is a child of God. And he is made in the image and likeness of God. But secondly, respect is not always about finding something in another person to respect. It is also about being a respectful person. And so, wives, we need to ask ourselves, am I being respectful towards my husband? Do we speak respectfully about them to others? Are we respectful of them in our decisions, in the things in our daily life? when we're committing to go somewhere or do something with someone or when we're making a decision about spending, are we respectful and talking to them about those things? Do we speak to them respectfully? Are our words respectful? Is our tone respectful? Are our facial expressions and body language respectful? We need to ask ourselves, those things. You know, it's amazing to me. I hear people speaking to strangers more respectfully than they speak to their own spouse. We need to be showing our husbands respect. They need respect. And God asks us to be respectful to them. Wives, we can't wait we can't sit back and say, well, when he shows me love, when he loves me as Christ loves the church, then I'll respect him. No, we need to take responsibility for our part. And I'd like to just say to husbands and wives alike, let's not sit back waiting for the other person to do their part before we do ours. Let's be willing. Let's be committed to doing our part and being the spouse that God asked us to be. And then when we do, I believe that we swing wide open the door for God to come in and do his part in our marriages. And on, on this point of commitment in husband, wife's roles and so forth, I, I want to share a thought, Ben, and in just a moment, I want to come back to you and have, a, a thought, have you share a thought about what you believe uh, husbands can do to better love their wives. 
in a, in a big general sense, okay? I'm going to give an example with men, and I'll come back to you in just a second. Uh, women, I believe the reason that Paul wrote, and I believe he was inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote and said, wives, respect your husbands. Here's why. Men are ego-driven. Okay? It can be bad, but it can be good, too. Years ago, I heard it said by a, a well-known uh, counselor and teacher, Christian teacher, that there are two things that really make a man's ego work. Number one, it's, it's his physical relationship with his wife. And number two, it's his success at work. And I'm going to tell you something. A man's ego is very fragile. It's like a bubble. It can easily be popped and deflated. A man is driven by his ego. When he feels good about himself, he will go out and kill himself trying to provide for you and the family. He'll do everything in his power to make you happy. But when his ego gets burst, you never know which direction he's going. So build him up, okay? Build him up. Tell him how wonderful he is, even if he's struggling. Tell, point out all the good things. Don't tell him, well, you're not, you're only 75%. Let me tell you something. If he's 75%, he's about 30% better than most men, okay? So, so realize his ego, we, we act so tough. Men act so tough. They yell and scream and physical, you know, all that. Men, that's because their egos are so fragile. You burst their ego and they're going to struggle. So build them up and encourage them. Well, one way to answer your question that uh, men can love women, I think, is to recognize the fact that women need to feel valued. And as you said earlier, so often we do communicate out of our emotion what we're feeling. And we need our feelings to be heard. And we need our feelings to uh, be attempted to be understood. <laughs> We don't expect you to understand completely, but we need you to listen and, and try to understand. <laughs> and, but so often, like you said, you know, men communicate out of their thinking, women communicate out of their feeling, and very often a woman can feel like her feelings are being dismissed, and that makes women feel devalued. And we need to be heard. We need our feelings to be valued and and validated and to know that it's going to be okay and that we're heard and we're going to come to a, a resolution together. That's right. And, you know, we've got to close now. Our time is almost gone. So l let's just share a couple of final thoughts, and if we could, in, in closing about marriage. You know, we saw in Ephesians 5 that marriage is a spiritual union. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage reflects Christ and the church. That's God's intention. And I believe God wants every married person in this place today to know that your marriage, your marriage is a spiritual union. And because of that, the enemy doesn't like that. So your marriage is a spiritual union, but it's also under spiritual attack. And no matter what challenge you face, there is a spiritual answer. Don't try to solve every issue on your own, in your flesh. It's a spiritual union under spiritual attack, and there are spiritual answers. God wants to be part of the equation in bringing help into your marriage. He wants you to call on him and let him help you. And we can 
opened the door to God's help through godly communication, through transparency, and through commitment. And a final thought I want to share. I think a vast majority of marital problems all go down to a root problem of a spiritual problem. Not all, but a vast majority of our problems in marriage stem from individual spiritual issues. People not getting things right with God. Now, let me share two things about this. Number one, if you've got a spiritual issue in your life that's causing problems in your marriage, or even if it's not, but if you've got a spiritual issue in your life, what do you do? You go to God, you ask for forgiveness, and then you repent and get on a pathway to turn it in a better direction. If you need help, get, get counseling from one of the pastors. Get some spiritual encouragement from one of our encouragement teams. Uh, get some help getting on the right pathway, okay? Repent and turn your life in the right direction. But the same thing applies to marriage. If you're, if you're struggling in an area of your marriage and you know that you've got a root problem that's creating issues in your marriage, go to your spouse and be honest and transparent and say, look, I'm struggling here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's creating a problem, but I need your help. I need you to try to understand my struggle, understand what I'm going through, and try to encourage me through it. I, I'm, I apologize. I ask your forgiveness, but I want to get on a better track. So please be patient and help me. It's amazing what will happen if you don't harden your heart, but if you soften your heart and ask for help. If God will receive you, I believe your spouse will too. And it can put you on a better road. And maybe this morning in closing, you know, maybe you're here today and maybe you've got issues in your life. Maybe you've got some rebellion. Maybe you've got some sin that's taking a hold of your life. Maybe you've never committed your life to God, but today you're sitting here and you realize, I need to, to change some things in my life. You know, God loves you. God loves you so much, he put his own son on a cross to pay for your sins so that you could become his child. And all he asked you to do is put your faith in him and ask for him to forgive your sins and wash them away. If you'll do that, he'll make you a part of his family. Family, He'll start teaching you his ways and lead you into relationship with him. So I want to pray today. We're, we're going to pray two prayers. But I want to pray first of all for anybody and everybody in the house that's struggling spiritually. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads if you would. Close your eyes. And I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer with me and just wrap your heart around this prayer. Say these words. Say, God, I need you. And I open my life to you. Please help me. I ask forgiveness for my sin. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I accept him as my Savior. And I choose to make him the Lord of my life. So please be my father. I will be your child. I will learn your ways. And I will follow you. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, uh, or as we're, as we're praying, uh, I want Ann to lead us in prayer for families, for, for husbands and wives, marriages. You want to have husbands and wives stand? What do you want to do? Sure. If you are in this place and, and you are married, regardless of whether your spouse is here today, would you just stand? We want to pray for you.
Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for these precious people in this place today, husbands and wives. We, we just thank you for these marriages that you have joined together, God. And Father, God, you know each one intimately. Father, you know those who, who may be in a good place and feel that they have a strong marriage. God, you also know those who came in this place today ready to throw in the towel. And you know everyone in between. And Father, I am just asking right now that you would intervene in every marriage. God, that you would strengthen every marriage in this place today, God. That you would bring healing where healing is needed. That you would bring restoration where restoration is needed. And God, most of all, I pray that each one of us as individual spouses would make a commitment in our hearts today to do our part. God, I pray that each individual spouse, that we would allow our hearts to soften towards you, that we would draw closer to you, God, and allow you to work in our lives. And as a result of drawing closer to you, God, that we would draw closer to each other as husbands and wives. Father, I pray that you would help us if we're having challenges in communication, God, help us to have godly, heart-to-heart -heart communication, seeking to understand rather than just be understood, God. And Father, I pray that where there have been challenges with transparency in marriage, God, I pray that hearts would soften, that we would recognize that we are one flesh and nothing needs to be hidden. And God, help us to have complete, total transparency in marriage. And Father, I pray today that there would be a new and a fresh resolve in each person's heart today to be committed to our marriages, to be committed to our spouse, to be committed to being the spouse that we need to be, God. And Father, we commit our marriages to you and we ask you to intervene. God, we want our marriages to be an example of a godly marriage. God, we want our marriages to bring glory and honor to you. We commit them to you and we ask you to work in our marriages today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's give God praise together. Would you do that? Father, thank you today. Thank you for your word.